out there, it's time for Star Wars All In, the show that goes in all the characters, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow droid smith, Ross. Mac, it is great to be back tonight building some droids with you. I'm very excited to explore some cantinas, some cantinas, and some cantinas. It's going to be a blast. That's pretty much where we stick around. But that's because we're having a droid spectacular! Um, yeah, so we decided that we were looking at our topic bin and we kind of saw some droids in there and we just kind of put them together and mm-hmm. said, let's talk about just droids mm-hmm. for a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. Droids are something that for me as a kid didn't do it for me. They they never really were what hooked me. It was the laser swords and the force. But as I've gotten mm. older, I can't believe how much R2 has become a favorite character of mine. Well, when he, gets he just to never see so was. Much. He gets to see so much. And it's kind of maybe a little bit blasphemous to say, but you know what started it was BB-8. That was the droid uh, that got me into droids. That's not necessarily my favorite droid. Once you had a round droid friend, you go, I'm like, there's something it to these. It was BB-8's personality in TFA that just that just did it for me, yeah. I, I was going to say, him being round helped you find a place in your heart for droids, and him being basically just two circles on top of each other would inform your Porg love, not <laughs> a few years later. Oh, boy. Um, But we're going to talk about actually, so we're going to actually talk about someone who intersects with R2's journey. We're going to talk about R5. We are R5-D4, that uh, red, white, and blue uh, domed, uh, flat dome droid that you may know from episode four. Who makes the noble sacrifice, as you'll learn, to uh, allow the rebellion to survive. But that's not the only people we're talking about. We're also talking about EV-99, the female program torture droid from the bowels of Jabba's palace. And later, a few other places as well. Uh, sadistic <laughs> as she is. Yeah, and then we're going to talk about uh, R3, uh, R3X Rex, the the DJ at Galaxy's Edge, and a few other odd jobs. And a few other things. <laughs> Resume builders. Yeah, it might have flown a few things from here and there. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're kind of excited to get into it. Um, it's, it's an interesting... We go a lot of places, I think, in what we're going to talk about, um, just because we're a little crazy here in quarantine so it's gonna be fun i hope you enjoy it um and we're gonna get started right after this motivator would be in the head well i'm no droid expert mac i'm no babu Freak. a droid smith yeah yeah that's true um you're no babu Freak. yeah i have not been to galaxy's edge i have not built my christmas themed r2 unit so Ooh. i have not i have not really thought about it honestly that that's my honest opinion i've never thought about where the motivator in a droid is. What is a motivator? You know, probably. I don't know if I know. I, I know. Guess. Every time I hear it, all I can think of with the motivator is all I think of is like, he's got a bad motivator. And then I just see uh, the what we're talking about here, R5, red, yeah. the other astromech droid. I always just see him with an emo haircut because he's just not motivated to do anything. <laughs> uh, I, I guess, just like to think of like he can't move forward. Like he can't push like you can't propel that's why yeah so motivators from what i know in a lot of electrical systems a motivator is is usually something that energizes something else mm. right it's it's um so is it the brain like is that how we're supposed to interpret it like his head blew up i like, don't know if it actually makes sense it might just be gobbledygook wow star wars is weird oh. who knew you know what I'll dig deeper. I'm sure that I can go find someone who has a theoretical idea of how droids are constructed in the Star Wars universe. I'm sure some of the real droid makers out there could tell you how they make them. Where's their motivators? Are they in the head? (laughs) All right. So we're talking about R5-D4, if you haven't figured it out by Mm -hmm. now. The, uh, as Max said, I think appropriately, the other astromech from Star Wars, you know, so from episode four, A New Hope, this is the... uh, red and white and sort of squared off rounded head droid that looks an awful lot like R2-D2, uh, who is uh, about to be sold instead of R2 and instead uh, has a little uh, accident, blows his head up, 
And, uh, well, hey, yeah, you, you that's feel that like, droid. You feel like in the Star Wars universe, you know, even though, you know, it's R5, which in, implies that this is like a model three years later than R2, it obviously isn't. Because this feels like, oh, well, this is uh, the, the model from four years ago. Mm-hmm. It's really square. That was the aesthetic at the time. Now we're into rounded shapes, mm-hmm. a rounded dome. So what's funny about, well, actually, here, let's get into it. Because all of R5's backstory that we're really about to talk about here comes from pretty much one source. So the yes. first time on the timeline we see R5 uh, is actually, hypothetically, in episode two when Anakin mm. and Padme return to Tatooine and uh, they're with R2 there and they're heading into town to find Watto. Yeah. And you see a droid that looks exactly like R5 rolling by. Now, this is what uh, is in the film and listed on Wikipedia, obviously. Uh, but... I couldn't find any, like, episode two source books that confirmed it. Well, and the thing about it is it's weird is, so they used R2 parts to put astromech droids in all kinds of stuff in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. There was, like, the Death Star edition, which had, like, a clear helmet. Like, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of this stuff. And astromech droids are toasters. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're, they're just an appliance in the Star Wars universe. And anywhere that has a bunch of ships, you're going to find a few of these hanging yeah. around. I think the thing with our particular friend here, Red, is he has the blue arms, like this upright arms of R2-D2. Literally, it's from an R2-D2, which makes you imagine that if all the rest of him's red, that's probably not factory, which is why when you see this red boxy R5 unit with (laughs) blue legs, you kind of just want to assume it's always the same exact droid. Yeah. And hey, it could be. If you want to think it is, we support you. Yeah. That's right. But now, let's get into the bulk of his story. And this comes from pretty much one place, from the novel From a Certain Point of View. We've talked about this once or twice, right, Mac? I Just a few <laughs> times. It comes up a few times. We don't pick topics on purpose. Uh, I think it's this. just we adore that book, and we can always find the way to stitch something back to it when yeah, possible. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely In- top tier for both of us, and this story is one of our favorites. Uh, yes. So the story is called The Red One, and it's written by Ray Carson. Now, if you don't know, Ray Carson is actually the author of other Star Wars books. Mac, have you ever read, you know off the top of her head, uh, your head, she's written other things as well. But have you um, ever read any of her Star Wars books? Now, she read, she wrote the uh, Rise of Skywalker novel. Did you read that? Uh, I did not read the Rise of Skywalker one yet. I, uh, I, I did read that, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed it. I don't traditionally read movie novelizations for a while, you know, because like, yeah. generally they come out either right around the time of the film or a couple months after, close to when the film's coming out at home edition. And I generally want to watch it a few more times before I read the novel, but this one I was really excited about because she had added a bunch of things well, to yeah. the story. I mean, very famously, we, we heard um, a, a few bits and bobs coming out when that was getting like leaked and stuff about things that they sort of helped frame up. Like, for instance, there's the... <laughs> I still feel it's just depending on your point of view, but like the the kiss at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker has a certain different connotation being read than being watched. I still think it's very ambiguous on purpose, but people have said like, no, that fully explains it. I'm like, I don't. No, I think it makes it better and more ambiguous, which I'm a fan uh, Yeah, of. that's how I felt uh, when I read it. We'll talk about the novelization maybe on another topic. Sorry to But again, someone us. who yeah. knows Star Wars. She also wrote the Most Wanted novel, which was a solo prequel young adult novel. That. And I really like that one a lot, too. That was good. Um, I actually have just recently downloaded another one of her non-Star Wars books to give a try. So I'm excited to uh, venture in. And oh. we know she's going to get more in the future from Star Wars. She's already announced a few other things. Oh, but... that, that makes a lot of sense because she also writes... Um... L3 um, in Most Wanted, and this is also kind of about some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Droid. What's it like in the droid's mind? Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, so R5 was captured by Jawas about four years before the events of Episode 4, you know, when we see him for the first time. Um, and he was basically had his memory wiped by the Jawas who captured him, right? Mm-hmm. So all R5 wants 
in the entire world. He's been riding around in this sand crawler for four years. He's covered in dirt and grime, passed over how many times. And he can barely worse. turn his head anymore. He knows if he doesn't get sold soon, the Jawas are just going to melt him down, take his parts for scrap, and he's going to cease to exist. And he just wants an owner so bad. He just wants to be taken care of and you know fulfill his programming fulfill his right. function that's all he wants it's like toy story he just wants to be played with <laughs> yeah so uh some jawas come in he thinks this is it this is the end and all of a sudden they start lubing him up they start giving him some oil they clean off his eye they uh get him ready to roll you know and he goes oh my gosh i might be sold they're actually putting some work into me yeah, so happy. I can turn my head sleep. a little bit. Yeah, he's like, I'm feeling better, moving all the oil through my body, through my hinges. And then he wakes up a couple hours later. You know, he's getting his beauty rest, ready for his big day. And this stupid little astromech is there now that was captured by the Jawas. Busy day. They've captured two pretty good looking droids, these Jawas. <sighs> and this stupid astromech droid is pristine. It's like. I don't know, like he came from royalty or something. The far so superior R2 unit. R5 knows he doesn't have a chance. But then he starts to think about it. He says, well, maybe this farmer won't be able to afford it. Yeah. Maybe I'll be the bargain find that's right for him. Yeah. So he goes back to bed. Okay. And then he wakes up. R2's trying to sabotage him. He's literally got his arm. You know, R2 has his arm inside of him. <laughs> What's that about, R2? It's kind of like waking up with someone with like a knife to you. It's like, oh, Pulls knife back. Hey, hey, buddy, how, how's it going? What, <laughs> yeah, what were you doing? Nothing, yeah. nothing. But R2 Look, being you need the to help hero. me out. <laughs> yeah, R2 being the hero he is, says, Hey, listen, I need to get out of here. I need to save the rebellion. The fate of the galaxy is in my, my hands. hands. And, and R5 is just kind of like, Uh, uh, uh huh, please don't sabotage me. <laughs> Could you please take your hand out of my guts? Yeah. And R2 basically sadly rolls away saying, well, I promise I won't try to do it again. But that R5 doesn't trust him. But, you know, when he's talking about the rebellion, when R2 is, uh, you know, telling him about it, he starts to kind of think about, huh, something about this kind of sounds familiar. Something about this of, I don't know, something is just kind of telling me something is weird. I've got a bad feeling about this situation. Yeah, which is where this novel's super interesting. We'll talk about it when we get through the whole story, but yeah. Um, so they the next morning, you know, the droids go up for sale, and of course, you have this this uh, this farmer with this grayish beard and his you know well taken care of robes, and you have this uh, kind of whiny little farm kid with his sun bleached hair, and uh, they're walking <laughs> down the line, and wow, just like that, yeah, that red one, we'll take that one. Oh my gosh, he's been sold. He can't believe it. R5 is having the best day, Dang. right? And then as he's rolling away along with this gold protocol droid, he can hear R2 call after him, "Please, please, you know, you need to do you need to help me here. I need to get out of here." And just then the Jawa, you know, straps the restraining bolt on him. And R5 just feels this feeling of he believes him. He believes R2 is being serious. He's not just some droid with a defect in his programming. He really has to save this the galaxy. This isn't out of selfishness. There's something to this. Yeah, for sure. And R5 does what he can do. He performs a very courageous and uh, difficult act. He gathers all of that that uh, lubrication that has been pumped into him by the Jawas, and he brings it all up through his circuits and collects it in a in a reservoir right underneath his head. He loosens his dome plate and he increases his temperature so much that it pops and then he plays dead. Yeah. And while Uncle Owen is uh, berating some Jawas for selling them a defective What are you product, trying to do to us? R5 sits there playing dead knowing that he's done the right thing to help the galaxy. And they buy the blue one. And they buy the blue one, saving the galaxy. But while this may be the end of the story we see on film, it is not the end of R5's story. R5, of course, taken back on the sand crawler, thinking he's junk. Well, the next day, he was proven right when a couple of stormtroopers come calling. Yes. Uh, and start massacring all the Jawas. Start massacring the Jawas, asking for information about the, that blue droid. And now R5 knows he's done the right thing. So after all the Jawas are well, dead, 
And the nice thing is, and and you know, he's still playing dead, so the stormtroopers don't shoot him because yeah. he's not moving. Yeah, anything that's moving gets a blast, but he's just a dead droid in the corner in a pile of scrap. So after he's sure all the stormtroopers leave, he rolls down that ramp to freedom, baby. Yeah. Now, it's kind of strange because it has been confirmed, but um, we do see him once again in live action Star Wars. We do, don't we? Tell us about it. So in episode, or sorry, chapter five of The Mandalorian, The Gunslinger, um, our, our hero goes to Mos Eisley. He's yes. hanging out on Tatooine and we see a bunch of familiar, we see pit droids, we see, you know, we get a feeling of like, oh, I've been here before. And one of the things that sells that is we see some familiar faces, including Red. Yes, yes, over kind of in the corner there, just doing his thing. We've got our little friend R5. And as part of the teases, we saw this on Instagram, which is why we know it's not a yeah. red unit. It's it's R5. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. From John Favreau's Instagram. Seems like from... life has been pretty good for him because yeah. we're, yeah. we're now what? Like nine years nine ABY? Years a... Yeah. yeah no... Give or take. Yeah. So About. again, he he's around people. He's yeah. probably being used for a good purpose. So we know like... 13 years of this one droid story. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Not a lot of detail, but man, this is why I love these books. Now, the thing that's interesting to me, and it caught me really arrestingly when we first read this, but like, he's got a bad feeling about it. I believe the words, he's got a bad feeling about this are stated, which we all know that means force magic, because... I think R4 can sense the force, which isn't in tradition. So in the EU is a very established thing because, well, this is what nerds do when they write role playing games is like, well, droids can't be force sensitive. Well, why? Well, because I don't know when Vader gets all these mechanical parts, he's stated to be worse in the force. I'm like, well, that could also be because he's just become a monster. That could be it, too. But we always had this thing that technology and the Force are opposed to each other, and that was reinforced in the prequels because living cells create the Force. So how could a droid with no mitochondria, or not mitochondria, <laughs> midichlorians, if you're curious why I said mitochondria, go check out our midichlorian episode. Um, oh my god, we did a midichlorian uh, episode? Yeah. Um <laughs> That was real we early too. These topics. Um, we really do need to keep build, We really need to go build that index of topics we've covered yeah, because we're, I, we're forgetting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like if he doesn't have many chlorians, then how does he sense the force? But like he totally does, and I mean it's getting pretty hard to excuse that R two D two is not also moving with the hand of the force at certain <laughs> points because. Again, they're all part of the the great weaving plan of the Force to try and keep its balance. And and if R5 hadn't blown up, the, the rebellion could have been lost. R2 could have been captured by the Empire that next day, and they find the Death Star plans. They put them in a lockbox that you can't get to that's even more secure than Scarif, and the mm-hmm. rebels get blown up with Yavin 4. And Exar Kun's ghost gets dispensed to the universe. Ah! A whole different kind of terror. It's a whole different world. So it's a what if story we should would read, which also, if you want to read that, Dark Horse Comics, Star Wars Infinite's A New Hope is all about the idea if what if Luke's uh, proton torpedo didn't go off? What if it was yeah. just happened to be a manufacturer yeah. dud? I love those. And then the planet those. gets blown to hell and they have to work through it. It's great. Awesome. Uh, Mac. Do you have anything else to add about R5? What a great little character. What a great little character. Had a great action figure in Power of the Force 2 line. That's where I first really remember him from. You know, his head kind of blew up. He had like a little missile inside. And I think... A little yellow button on the back, I And think. I think that's the whole thing with, with R5 is I think he's sort of like the patron saint of like the mm-hmm. the the underdog. Like in the sense of Star yeah. Wars, like, we, you know, R2, yeah, he's a great looking droid. This guy's a little ugly, a little cobbled together. Yeah. And there's just something really charming about the fact he's yeah. kind of the runt yeah. of the droid, oh, like 100%. the main droids you've seen in Star Wars. You know, they made him in Black Series as part of the 40th anniversary uh, A New Hope line. He was a game, one of two exclusives, a GameStop exclusive. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I have like four of them. Maybe if you want one, I'll try and I'm, I don't know where they are. Why do you have? Hey. Okay, well, it was a whole thing where <laughs> think they went at they became available on ThinkGeek, and I thought they would ship them without the GameStop exclusive stickers. So I bought two there after I had already oh. bought one, and then I had a pre-order for one that I think wasn't going to ship, and then shipped or something. You know, I don't remember. 
I don't know. I, you, you know, know we, look, we were talking before this. Like, I had a I don't know how then. you do it. I wanted to get a G.I. Joe figure. Just this new Sing Sing G.I. Joe. I ordered them at Target, and the Target just one day is like, hey, we think there's going to be a delay. The next day, like, actually, we're just going to cancel that. We're never going to get these. And I'm like, okay, how do all of these, like, Entertainment Earth, Big Bad Toy Store, like, all of these collectors, do they have just, like, mercenaries running around? I think of it like the mob with, like, gun, like gun running or booze running, like, where they're just going to the containers as soon as they get off the shore with Tommy Gump saying, like, this is ours, we're taking this. Because, like, how does like Target... like the 1920s? Well, just how does Target not get its... Why do you put it on there and offer it for sale if you don't actually have already bought it? And if you've already bought it, how did you not get it but these guys on eBay did. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like they didn't knock over the truck and delivered it to Target. They knocked over the boat that was bringing it from China. It's just, I, I want mad. I wanted a GI Joe figure, and I wanted, I wanted the the Mandalorian in his uh, Beskar armor. Yeah. And by the time I got to Hasbro Pulse, already gone. And trying to find that figure. Without a ridiculous markup and an and a we'll get it to you. Yeah. Like I'm paying for someone to acquire it for me. I'm not even they don't even have it in hand. Yeah. Is bless you for being able to deal with that. I can't I, I have found that uh Entertainment Earth tends to get me when I have trouble, like I got my Count Dooku recently. Oh sure. Uh from them. Uh at Oh list they price, deliver. I'm just going at what cost? Good, well, ten dollars <laughs> shipping is the cost. No, no, no. I don't mean physical cost. I mean how many mercenary units <laughs> no, I know. how many I know. I was, stores are they yeah. knocking off? Yeah. No, I got <laughs> They're you. doing something they that no one else is doing. And I think it's just suspicious. <laughs> Speaking of suspicious Let's go and talk about yes. another droid that ends up in a canteen at the end of his life. Jabba's palace probably somewhere on that level where the rancor keeper lives an old boiler room I think yeah that seems yeah there's lots of steam in there isn't there lots of steam lots of steam uh he is the chief of cyborg operations she she well it 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 he she it we're talking about one of the more interesting puppeteer droids in my opinion in the Star Wars universe we're talking about EV 9D9, which we will, I'm sure, say 99. 99. Most of the time. And there's a D in there. You can't hear it, but it's there. We promise. Um, and this is the uh, one of the few actually talking characters in this thing. Most of the deisons of Jabba's palace are all speaking alien or not speaking at all. Mm-hmm. And basically just is uh, gloating about the fact of like, oh, great, two new droids. The master will be quite happy. And then you see like a gonk droid being tortured over to the side and realize that, oh, this is not a good place for droids. This is not a good place at all. Uh, this droid may have a fancy title. Of Chief of Cyborg Operations, but it is not a fancy droid. It is a mean, mean, sadistic droid. Sadistic, yeah. No, 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 droid. Now, one of the interesting things about this is, at least back in the day, I remember it was an important distinction that this was the first time we had heard, or, all right, let's rephrase this. This was the first time I had heard, and I think it was in the Essential Guide to Droids, that um, Evie has feminine programming. Mm-hmm. Which means has like an effeminate inner mind, I guess is the best way to which put it. Which is an interesting thing in the droid world in general, because we obviously, our mind jumps there based on the tone of the voice, right? I mean, that's yes. the thing that would make you think, oh, this droid is emulating a male personality or a female personality. Well, so for instance, right? like C3PO, you go, yeah, he's a guy. We right. feel that way because he's played by Anthony Daniels and talks in Anthony Daniels' voice. Yeah. Whereas it's easier to look at something like a gong droid or even R2 and go, oh, that's an it. Yeah. It doesn't really have a voice that makes us feel it's masculine yeah. or feminine. Which is, well, a whole other de- 
interesting debate that you well, could have. Well, okay, we'll yeah. reverse. Yeah. The Essential Guide to Droids came out in like 1998. So let's just preface that it was a different world and we might think very different things about how to view this now. Well, Star Wars, to an extent, has even made content that revolves around droids' rights and, you know, are they sentient and all that. So that storyline is something we're seeing. It was in Solo. It was in Most Wanted. It is even in the last topic we talked about a little bit. So, you know, that. This is happening. The thing about it is George Lucas said that droids are appliances and people don't treat them any better than their toaster. But that means that George Lucas never saw Brave Little Toaster and realized how much emotions we can throw at a toaster. Do you think George never saw Brave Little Toaster? I think he would have. I don't know. But it would have been after Star Wars, obviously. Obviously. That's like the late 80s, I think. But like, I know that what he was trying to say there, but it's also very funny. I, it's, I've always taken that as funny because George Lucas was like, well, droids are just these things. No one cares about them. No... Like, when Obi-Wan sees R2-D, he's like, I don't recall owning a droid. Like, he really doesn't remember R2 because it's trying to, like, remember that one belt buckle you had that one time. Like, if you don't have any special, you know, real connection to it, you just kind of forget about it. It's like an old piece of clothes. You don't, like, long about, like, remember that hoodie I had in fifth grade? Especially that was Especially if the time that you had that droid and were familiar with it was a time that you probably have serious PTSD from. That's true, too. That's the other thing that you have um, to think about here. Like, 20 years ago... Yes, obviously, it was a very traumatic experience. You might not remember all that. That's true. And and for, for that, I just found it funny because, like, and George Lucas is a motorhead. He loved and built and hot-rodded his own car. So I'm like, dude, you know, you know exactly what it's like to love a machine. Like, to have just this undying loyalty or favoritism or or mm -hmm. connection mm -hmm. I, I guarantee he named a car once with a human name i'm sure he did <laughs> yeah so again this was right. a big thing because there were characters that were coming around that was making these lines very bold like um guri who was a uh humanoid woman looking droid that was held by uh prince shizor that's a character in shadows of the empire and we were starting to get the idea of like oh okay so there's this dichotomy to it and it was just interesting because like out of all the random droids just throw up female personality the crazy sadist droid with the <laughs> totally synthesized voice apparently is yeah thinks they're a she droid yeah now i will say watching return of the jedi for the first time at five six years old whatever it was uh i would not have guessed that it had a female programming I wouldn't have guessed it had a mask on either. I just because it's it was it's just so, it so was a robot. It. it was robotic. So let's describe it. It's this very spindly. Yeah, it's the right word. Um, like it 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 almost reminds me of like I wonder if they looked to that as some inspiration when they were starting to design the battle droids because they also have that kind of skeletal. That is accurate. Yeah. They they just you know you see the arms and the arms are basically just mm -hmm. like two hydraulics that will move it up and down like. And I think it's also because it's puppeteered from below. This is, uh, they call it like a stick puppet where you're using basically pulling and pushing on things to move arms and stuff around. And it's got this kind of, I guess it's like um, a hinge jaw. That just yeah, just this flat down, yeah. down mouth. And then its head is just sort of this elongated, almost like a bread box. Like it's kind of like curved on the top. It's a little too long. Like it juts out a little too far from the neck. Yeah. And that's kind of about it. And then the other signature thing is it has like three photoreceptors. It's got like two little beady eyes and it's got like an extra one. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's it's unique looking. I mean, the whole point was of Jabba's Palace on every possible level you can think of it was like, oh, you think the cantina had weird things in it? Hold my beer. Because <laughs> like they wanted to go all the way. And this entire scene, this little boiler room, which, what, you see it for 45 seconds? Yeah, yeah, not like, long. 88 is over there in the corner, his assistant torturing a droid. And that's really all you see. <sighs> torturing that gonk droid. Yeah. So in as we've gone on, there have been materials that have given uh, 99 more agency that, like, 99 isn't just, like, apathetic. Or, I'm a robot. They're doing yeah. the thing to the droid I have to do. Like, no, no has at some point developed a joy in harming yeah. their so other droids. A lot of this stuff comes from a recent uh, book. I think it's called Droidography. Okay. Um, I had to look it up because I didn't own it, oddly enough. In fact... And you put it on the list? It ca yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it came out last year. Sorry, okay. I'm going to pull it up right now. The Was it more title. like a DK book kind of thing? Or Yeah. 
Oh, okay. it literally is. I was right. Star Wars droidography uh, available now on Amazon for eighteen ninety nine hardcover. Um, but it's got a nice little video I watched earlier because I literally missed this book or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'll have a copy in a couple days. But that's where I'm getting a lot of this information from. I mean, it's not a lot. It's definitely a uh, younger child book, you know. But it's got a lot of cool yeah. interactive stuff. Um, you know, like little pieces of paper that move and pop out and stuff. Uh, but he was a supervisor droid with a defect who was wanting to hurt other droids basically that was his defect he wanted or she sorry i keep saying he it she she wanted to yeah yeah. uh originally worked on a moisture farm you know similar to uh yeah they did maintenance on like evaporators yeah so it's an interesting droid because it can hypothetically do lots of different tasks it's not like it's designed for torture it -hmm. just chooses to yeah, these are um, we we talked before about there's the the degrees of droids and this is the degree that's like maintenance but also humanoid. So mm-hmm. um, while it's not a protocol droid like C three PO, it's humanoid shaped because it's supposed to go do humanoid tasks like yeah. work on evaporators. Yeah. Um, the other thing I read that was when I was poking around research was that third eye, which I'm I'm curious was either a mistake or just someone on set just going eh, punch another hole in there because the way its eyes work is they're small perforations in the dome with has a light back there which is probably why that head's really long to fit a light (laughs) and someone put an extra eye in there and then according to the stuff i read was like oh yeah yeah 99 um decided to add a third photoreceptor um and was able to self-modify because you know moss eisley is not exactly they're kind of lax on like watching their droids and making sure they're not becoming sadists with third eyes um and apparently the third eye is literally like studies electrical circuitry diagrams and basically allows 99 to watch droid pain as it was put. And I'm like, what? Why would you program a robot with pain responses? Why would you even do that? Because it can, I guess. Well, that's the thing is like, that's the most sadistic thing I was thinking. Like, yeah. Do you remember when we touched on uh, Dr. Ivaza? Um, we were talking about the fact that like, oh, well, now that 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 person in Solo who has like one piece of a head, like yeah. just only is like like the lower third of a head. Oh, that was him because that's what he did is he lobotomized people, gave them and took their bodies over the droid brains. I'm like, we're getting real dark in Star Wars. So <laughs> now I'm thinking of like 99, like the way it's implied with 989 is like, yeah. well, what do you do? Oh, I, I install systems so that droids can feel pain responses. Why? So I can give them pain responses. Do you think a young 99 was out like in the deserts of tattooing, torturing womp rats? No, because I don't. I get the feeling that they don't. They're not a sadist as we would determine. No, I know. It's it's like a serial killer. Like, oh yeah, they were harming animals when they were kids, but really, what they do is harm people. And it's like, really. And then when you harm people, that's the problem, because that's when you have no empathy and don't understand that they're the same as you. Same with like, like you're a true sadist because these are your quote unquote people. And you have a special joy in hurting them. <laughs> I don't know if droids can be sociopaths, but you would be one if that's possible. <laughs> so, Mac, what do you think happened to 99 after Jabba's palace shut down? Well, you would hope that in all the many, many raids that would go on in Jabba's palace of stealing all the good stuff, that a sadistic little monster like this would have been, you know, shot or scrapped or, you know, picked up. But apparently... Apparently, that is not the case. (laughs) Yes, there is apparently, uh, and I'm sure you've all seen this, whether you realize it or not, uh, in episode chapter five, sorry, chapter five of The Mandalorian, as we just mentioned in the previous topic, this character shows up in the cantina in Mos Eisley, Mm -hmm. tending bar. Yes. Droids have taken over. There goes the neighborhood. It's the droid that informs the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. That the guild no longer operates on Tatooine, and there's no work for him here. Remember that droid? Yes. In The Mandalorian, also voiced by Mark Hamill. Yes. Crazy, Which right? Is neat. Yeah, just came out on Disney Plus the other day in the last episode of the Gallery series. And the biggest thing with the Gallery series is where they tell you it's not a EV nine D nine model. It's that EV nine D nine. Had to find a so new you, work. So you get to wonder what happened. Like, uh, so like a. So we, we know, we already talked about versatile droid, can do lots of stuff, can do human stuff, humanoid stuff, so that's easy enough to find job doing humanoid stuff. Do you think at some point they got programmed, and that's why they've got Mark Hamill under all that synthesized voice now? 
It's possible. Do you think that maybe they just got out there or just like after seeing all the massacring of all these beings who are trying to raid like Jabba's palace and all the infighting that inevitably happens from that power vacuum? Did they think like, wait, is this what I've been doing to people? I need to go home and rethink my life. Like, Ah, do you ah. think that maybe they just like had a like a coming to the maker moment where they realized that they they should do better? Maybe he just found a passion for craft cocktails. Was to say because like the assumption I have is that that bar is not owned by a droid, but like that perhaps also in another thing, Werther has come to a coming to God moment of droids are okay in my old age I need a little help, and droids low wages it's really easy to pay them because you just plug them in at night and they're happy. Basically, just a case of pinball parts. So I mean, either that or the other dark idea is that. 99 has taken that citizen to the ultimate level and started torturing people at Java's Palace. And by the time we get to the bar, that's just like a hunting ground where they're deciding who they're going to kill. And Werther was killed by by <laughs> this droid when they took over the bar. And when someone sa- said like, hey, I thought there were no droids here. They're like, oh, you're my next hit. <laughs> it's a conspiracy at the highest level. And they're not going to mess with the Mandalorian. They're going to give straight service to that. They're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they're not stupid. That's a good point. Uh, you know, there's one other time that came to mind mm-hmm. where we get to see this droid, and that is in some of the DLC bonus content from The Force Unleashed. Mm. Now, obviously not a uh, part of uh, canonical Star Wars anymore of the current right, uh, right. canonical EU, but uh, if you don't remember, there are some really fun levels as part of the first Force Unleashed that came out after the fact. Yeah. One where you go to Hoth and you fight some Wampas. I'm pretty sure we've talked about that on here before. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another one where you go to Jabba's Palace and you kind of fight your way out of the palace through the bows. And you do actually at one spend point some you... time through the, in that same chamber. So just a neat little homage to that as well. And again, just a really interesting droid. And again, just shows the ingenuity that they had during return of the jedi of trying out different techniques mm-hmm. of bringing these creatures to life because like i said i i think it's an interesting thing because it's a very it's a very puppety droid when most of the droids were either people in suits or they were purely mechanical like yeah. r2 yeah a little bit more of a puppet like you were saying very different very interesting very and, and a lot more animated than other ones like you mentioned uh 88 80 AD 8 D8 8 D8 yeah I can remember his, yeah. Um, who's kind of humanoid but you can see the lever is what he's yeah. attached to or to be the medical droid from Hoth yep. is also that way but like very stiff 99 has kind of a flow kind of a, an animated quality to him which is Interesting, because we're going to talk about one of the most animated droids we've seen next. Another droid who ends his current canonical run in a cantina. <laughs> who knew? Hi there. I see they're loading our navigator R2-D2, and then we'll be on our way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Star Force 25, elevator platform has been activated. That's final Roger, Control. All status, go. If you ever find yourself on Batu by Black Spire Outpost and you want to listen to some pretty good jams, I tell you, you go into that cantina, Aga's cantina, and you like can hear some pretty Is it Aga? Good... Is it Oga? Oga or Aga? I always have been pronouncing it Oga. <gasps> I would pronounce it Aga. There's a, we need an audio version of one of the Black Spire books. No, no, it sums it up. We've been putting it off too long. We have to go. We have to we go. We have to go and do the research required of us. We need to ask Oga slash Aga in uh, person, how do you pronounce your name in basic? So since I can't go this August like I was planning to mm-hmm. confirm that, we'll have to get there sooner than later. Yes. But there, out there on the galaxy's edge, you can find a DJ spinning the data discs right there at the cantina, playing all the great jams, all the jizz hits. That you're used to. All it's the pretty great. beautiful sounds that that droid makes. I don't know how he does it. Now, known around town, he's known as Rex. 
but this is not a droid that was programmed to be a DJ, at least not until recently. He had a different life as a pilot. He did. His life goes back a ways, back into, yeah. uh, well, let's see, 33 years now, uh, Rex has been with us, something like oh, that. Oh, that's a crazy way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the, uh, someone would argue, the original Captain Rex. <laughs> this is R3X. It's not even an argument, it's a fact. Uh, well, R- well, again, he's not necessarily a captain in canon anymore. He's also yeah, not even R3X. Fair. You know, is his current canon name. He used to go by RX24. So it's been a weird... It's a weird ride for this droid. Yeah. So originally, let's set the stage. So it's the early 80s and George Lucas wants to build amusement park rides. He talks talks to um, Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner says, why don't you bring your amusement park rides to the place where we already have amusement parks and are extremely skilled at making amusement park rides? I guess that would be okay. And so they build Star Tours. And Star Tours is the ability to go and be in the Star Wars universe in this moving theater ride vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty big deal at the time. Pretty inventive technology at the time. And your host on this whole journey through the stars is you're going to be taking this cruise at Star Tours, this company that does touring. And you're going to be flying on the... um, Star Tours trans, trans, uh, Star Speeder 3000, which is piloted by a droid who, unfortunately, hope you don't mind, folks. This is his first ride. It's his first trip. He's new. And voiced by Paul Rubens is Captain Rex, the animated puppetry uh, droid that sits at the front of your moving theater and basically is hosting you through what you're about to go through, which is, well, you're not going to go to the place you intended to. You end up in the Battle of Endor. (laughs) So things go bad. Now, that's where Rex's story kind of always was. That was all we had. That's all he was. Well, Star Tours eventually got shut down and remixed into what they call Star Tours, the adventure continues. They decided that Rex wasn't wasn't enough star power, so they got Anthony Daniels in there, and they made C-3PO be your host now going forward on Star Tours. And Rex just sort of got left in the waste bin until Rebels resurrects the little guy. Yeah, and three episodes in, no less. The Episode three of season one, uh, Droids in Distress. Basically, our, our cast of characters is on a public charter uh, mm-hmm. going to some negotiations, and Rex is the stickler piloting the ship. Mm-hmm. And then we see what is presumed to be that same droid again, but I think could be maybe just considered a similar model. Same model, yes. Yeah. In season two, uh, Blood Sisters, the episode where Sabine's uh, sister is trying to hide her, hide her down. Yeah, because we're seeing no. that these R3X units apparently are, are commonly used for humdrum, like uh, space transport missions. Um, when when a human pilot's not needed because the course is so obvious, I, I guess it's the difference between hiring like a, a a charter jet, which is what you do with like a Han Solo, right? And this is like getting on the galactic space bus. Yes, this is the Greyhound the bus. Yeah, yeah. The, no, that's what it is. This is like the mega bus <laughs> of of the galaxy, where where you know. It, you're not paying enough to have a human pilot. If you hit an asteroid belt, you better hope that droid's programmer knows what to do because you'll be dead. <laughs> like, it's just this this very kind of stuffy robot that uh, does it. And that's in this series of episodes, it's sort of the character is a stickler. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't want things happening like that on my transport. This is my ship. Must you need follow to follow the rules. regulations. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because, again, Paul Rubens, better known as Pee Wee Herman, was the original voice of Rex and was not that. Saying a lot of ha and being very self, yeah, like self-flagellating mm-hmm. and just being very like, like, well, this is my first trip, folks. I hope it goes well. <laughs> like very unsure. I guess unsure yeah. of himself was kind of his characterization in mm-hmm. Star Tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in canon, according to the Star Wars databank, at some point after this, he gets... I think they use the word gets hired, but I go, do droids get paid? He got acquired is how I would say it by Star Tours and actually in canon did drive the Star Speeder 3000. So Mm -hmm. at some point he did have something akin to what we would think he was from Star Tours, Mm -hmm. which is where sort of his story changes because while in theory doing that job, 
He crashes his ship into Batu, not too far outside the outpost. And from there, he gets captured, reprogrammed, and sold to Oga to be a DJ at her cantina to spin mm-hmm. those funky beats all day and all night. Yeah, because Mumbo, who is the proprietor of the Droid Depot at Bat- in Batu's Black Spire Station, um, apparently reprogrammed to make him into music because thought that was fun, and then because of an old debt, had to send it to Aga or Oga, or we're not sure. <laughs> uh, and that's how he ended up in the cantina. And to this very day, you can go there once they reopen after COVID and go and see DJ Red. Rex. And buy yourself a little Bluetooth speaker that is DJ Rex as well. Which is so cute. It is. Who doesn't love merchandise and capitalism? Now, the fun thing about this is uh, Rex, I will also mention, because I kind of, I forgot this, but I'm very happy. I got to see, um, a couple years ago, I finally went on Star Tours. So I never got to ride the original Star oh, Tours. no? Because I was never, um, uh, I think I'm sure, oh God, it's hard to remember what things you've recounted on the podcast and whatnot. Long story short, mm-hmm. I went to Disney in 89 uh, when I was really, 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 really little. And we specifically went because MGM Hollywood Studios was opening that weekend. So we thought there wouldn't be as many people at the Magic Kingdom, which, as memory serves me, was correct. Um, and then I didn't go there again until 2015. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, when I went there, there was a whole checklist of things I wanted to do at the other parks I never had gone to, including one that didn't exist when I went there. Um, And I really wanted to ride Star Tours, but it had already been changed to Star Tours, uh, The Adventure Continues, which is actually fundamentally a better ride. Yeah. Um, It's randomized. You get to see stuff. I got to go to Coruscant, which is where I wanted to go anyway. Um, And there is a Easter egg on the queuing line for that. Um, I think, I, I don't know. Actually, I think it actually is not there anymore, but there was... Rex was like in a maintenance bay off to one side, like being worked on, like essentially mothballed. Mm. But I think when they opened Galaxy Edge, they actually removed him because, well, he can't be there. He's at Batu. Interesting. I'm glad he gets to live on. I'm glad that character gets a second life. Uh, a lot of us have a lot of nostalgia for him, and uh, I'm really happy to see that he gets to continue and, and that he has a Black Series figure. <laughs> Which is the real, the truest yeah. canon. Yeah. Uh, don't have an episode one Pan- Padme, but we have That's because she doesn't exist yet. Yeah. <laughs> She's out of canon. She's legends. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's kind of funny that it's getting to that point. Uh-huh. Uh, but Rex is fun um, and I, I think is uh, a unique character Star Wars, regardless of which version you listen, listen to. Because, I mean, the one in the cantina is very much an homage and, and is the, the Paul Rubens version mm-hmm. just mixed into a draw mm-hmm. droid that DJs um whereas the 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 definitely the one in rebels you I I would believe is a different droid if it wasn't for them telling us it's not <laughs> just cuz he's so stuffy compared to what he'll end up as yes mumbo must have added some fun in there when he was working around in that droid brain <laughs> but uh yeah captain rex really great not to be fused with the other captain rex which we haven't done yet we'll have to get to that. I mean he'll be a whole episode oh there's Maybe. a lot to say yeah. about Captain Rex. Like maybe he might even be big enough now where he's more than one episode. He might he's, be broken up. If I wouldn't nothing else, that. I think you could definitely divide prequel. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, especially if there's rumored to be more. <sighs> but this is the end of the tale for the uh, <laughs> He's not a droid, so we're not talking yeah, about it. Yeah, so him today. R3X, that's that's <laughs> we're done with that story. Uh that's for a different time and uh yeah, Rex is cool. He is. I like Star Wars. Me too. All right, fire up the oil baths. We're done with this droid spectacular. Everyone can relax. What a what a nice change of pace to talk about some droids. And boy, I had a lot of fun. 
not surprisingly, I love ships and I love equipment, so droids were pretty high in my books a lot of the time when I was a kid, so. And we knocked out a couple of big ones today. What I like about them is they're all very different. Yeah, yeah, we've got a classic in R5, like an original, as original as you can get, man, an OG. Yeah. We've got, uh, you know, EV, who is from the end of the OT and a very different, different type of droid than we had ever seen to that point. Because remember, at this point, in 1983, IG-88 was just a broom. You know, it's not like we had seen that personality yet, <laughs> just right? Just a Kappa Machino machine yeah. on some legs there. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, and then, of course, Rex with all his history. I mean, that's a character that has been in Star Wars for, what, we say 37, 33 years, right? Yeah, I mean, you could years, argue yeah. he's original trilogy because he was, he was being developed because, I mean, they developed mm-hmm. Star Wars while they were developing Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's why the special effects look so correct because they were using the same models mm-hmm. they were using for return so hmm interesting what a fun i also day. find that rexes are probably our most human like as far as like how their personality works mm-hmm. the one that looks the most human is the least is the most inhuman for sure <laughs> and then uh r4 is a, a, a robot jedi so you know yeah i'm just I gonna mean, put yes that, yeah sure we can go that. with it as much as finn is as much mu- oh <laughs> until next <laughs> yeah no everyone i hope you're having a great time uh we're definitely get a little punchy uh you know the the quarantine continues on and uh it, it's still it's the weird spring is turning into a weird summer just menaging into a weird year mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i just hope everyone's you know keeping sane definitely keeping safe out there because mm-hmm. it's not the most safe place out there right now mm-hmm. and uh yeah black lives matter watch and read some star wars it's... escape to a galaxy far far away for a little bit reset your mental health you need it you know it, it's fun to escape to hear where again the, the 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 rights that we're worried about are our robots people that's a lot easier in star wars they're like well all the people are people obviously <laughs> unless you're the empire but well, I think the Empire represents the other side of the arguments we're having right now. <laughs> so, again, stay safe out there. Yeah. I hope you have a great time. Um, and my name is Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. May the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.